I liked it when they put us in the stocks. You know, it's kept us honest. You know? Yeah, everyone knew where they stood. Do you know what I mean? Exactly, exactly. In the village square, being pelted with rotten vegetables mainly, but um, yeah. Hello, welcome to the Omcast. My name is Dom. That's one half of the Omcast. I'm joined by Tom. Say hello, Tom. <laughs> Perfectly intelligible. In this episode, we're talking about the latest film on Christopher Nolan, Tenet, starring David John David Washington, Robert Pattinson, and Elizabeth Debicki. And yeah. um, Kenneth Branagh. Kenny Branagh. Kenneth Branagh. Kenny, um, Kenny Brands. Aaron Taylor Johnson, for some reason. <laughs> yep, he pops up, doesn't he? He pops up. Uh, he was, yeah, anyway. Um, right, so this is it. Tenet. Tenet. Yes. Tenet. 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 I, I can't say it. Anyway, so we've been building up to this. We did our um, big rewatch of all the Christopher Nolan movies, and if you've listened to that um, episode that we just put out, thank you very much. Yep. Now this is the new one. So this has been building up. This has got a lot of anticipation behind it because not only is it a new film from Nolan, it's also the first big release coming off a massive long stint of nothing being out. <laughs> so it's got so much pressure on it, and there's so yeah. much being like, yeah. Um, and so this is it. So we went to go and see it last night. We went to an IMAX screening. Mm-hmm. And then since then, you've gone back and seen it again this morning, haven't you? I have. Right. I went back at midday today to watch it again. <clears throat> yeah. And got a private screening so I could pace and write things on the wall in chalk. Yeah. So did you, did and you shout at myself. <laughs> because this film has broken me a bit. It did, didn't it? Like you were really struggling when we first came out. So now I think we're like, let's go with you first because you've had two viewings. So mm-hmm. having seen it twice, where do you stand on it? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, shall I start off with an easier question? Yeah. <laughs> well, what's it about? What was the story? Okay. So Tenet <clears throat> is about a man who is recruited into a certain organization to stop the end of the world. Yes. Uh, via some sort of very ambiguous machination from an unexplored villain. And we don't know really how he's going to do this. All that we do know is that there is an effect of time within this. So there gets to a point where time starts to reverse in certain circumstances. Yes, well, not and so it's much about time. How and... that? Yeah, changes changes the 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 plot in the way that it all works. Essentially, it's an espionage thriller. Yeah, it's a Bond film. Like when I I saw, it clicked into place for me around the second act when I realised the way it was being structured, and it's basically because mm. um, Nolan has always been a big fan of the Bond films, particularly like the old school, the sort of seventies. Like he talks about um, the Spy Who Loved Me as being one of his favourite films ever. That like changed his life. Don't know why because it's not a particularly great one, um, but just this globe trotting spy drama that is in the vein of Bond, and this is basically his attempt of doing a version of that, albeit with Nolan so that the the evil plot isn't a giant laser that can blow up the world. 
it's some technology that allows you mm. to change an object or a person's entropy so that they go backwards through time. Yeah. So that's how it starts. So basically what you get at the very beginning is they have, uh, there are bullets being manufactured that are reverse bullets that shoot back into a gun rather than being shot out of a gun. And they're being used on operation. That's your first clue. And then he basically then has to go from there to investigate who's making these bullets, what are they for, what's it all about. He finds Kenneth Branagh's character. He's basically a Bond villain. He has to find he is, his he is, yeah. He has to find his way to like get in with him via his wife, which is very much a Bond thing. He gets invited out onto his yacht and has to sit there and have dinner with him, even though he's the bad guy. And it's, it's, it reminded me so much, particularly that second act of a Bond film, of an old school Bond film. The yeah. difference being that the, the world ending um, piece of tech, the doomsday machine uh, at the center of it, like you often get in a Bond film, this one has got a Nolan twist on it, i.e. it's about Also, it's less of a MacGuffin in this. Yeah. So the, the, like, a lot of these sort of spy films um, tend to be framed around some sort of MacGuffin. So we have... Golden Eye is a prime mm. example, which is the satellite that can target things and blow things up. Yeah, one of the best ones and for that is um, Mission Impossible Three, where it's the rabbit's foot, and the whole point of it is you never find out what it is. Yeah, and it is like they is the um, writers themselves in that particular case hanging a lampshade on it and saying it doesn't really matter what this thing is; it's no. just a, a MacGuffin to move the plot along. Yeah, um, and they don't even bother explaining it, and it's like, right, okay, I see what you're doing. Yeah, I see where um, we're at with this. The difference with but, this is obviously, like you say, it's more integral to the plot of it because of the nature of what this thing is. And it's something that, like you say, can turn people back around and have them live things out in the opposite direction. Yeah, I mean, obviously, like spoilers. Yeah. Because that's not really explored too early on. But um, yeah, I think, to be honest, let's if we... <laughs> Yeah. Now we've done the plot. How did how did you enjoy the film? I kind of loved it. <laughs> really? Uh, like, I kind of I say I kind of loved it. There are definitely issues with it, and I definitely do not. And I don't. I need to go back and see it again. Definitely. Yeah. Um, but what I can tell from the first viewing already <clears throat> is it is not up there with Nolan's best. Nope. No, definitely not. I can I can say that definitively because it is just it's it's no Inception. Um, it's no prestige, um, mm. but as from a sheer like, just the I what I love is that I love that this film exists. Yeah, Do you know what I mean. I love that this that someone can make a film like this, and we can, and it's something that will be talked about, and people will dissect it and rewatch it, and it just is it pushes the limits of what you can do in terms of stunt work and practical effects and all that kind of stuff and pushing narrative structure and, and all that kind of, I love that that it exists and it has a budget of like 250 million to, to make a yeah. movie like this. I, I love that. So again, like I enjoy the fact that this is original cinema. Yes, exactly. This is, um, this is cinematic. It's big budget with something that's new. Mm. That's what I like about it. Yeah, I'm not going to say I'm not going to say that's all I like, because for me this film, there is so much to admire about this film. Yeah, but at the same time, there are just incomprehensible parts of this film. 
Yeah, I think that it definitely suffers as the previous Nolan films have, literally from a technical point of view, it's difficult to understand what people are saying sometimes. And that's not because of what they're saying is difficult to follow. Mm. Because of literally the sound mixing and the way he's decided to stage the scene. So you yeah. can't hear what people are saying. So there are like crucial scenes like early on in the movie where they they take place on a train track next to a giant like loud train. So like when people are asking questions, you can't hear what they're asking. And no. there's another one where like there's two characters having a very vital conversation that's like key to the plot about what's going to happen in the next few scenes. But they're doing it whilst hanging off the side of this catamaran sailing boat and wearing like <laughs> helmets and microphones. And you can't hear yeah. what they're saying. You can't understand what it is they're saying. It's just like... It's just why have you, throughout, why, there are these ridiculous moments. And they're why like... Like we're we're in the climax of the film where yeah. something's happening, yeah, and you're like, okay, there's going to be, and it's you can't because everyone's wearing a mask, yeah, and like, everyone's so wearing he, a gas mask, and you're like, right, okay, I get why everybody's wearing a mask, but it doesn't make it's just everyone's just muffly saying things to one another, and as much as I love Robert Pattinson, he spends so much of this film just mumbling and looking away whilst he's about to say something. And lines are delivered in such monotone by so many characters that you're like, was that important? Yeah. Yeah. Like, was that important mean. or was it not? Like, yeah, I know what you mean. I think this is, I think the problem with it is that, yeah, it's entirely driven by the concept and, yeah. and the other stuff kind of gets put by the, and the plot He's like, he's so, involved in his plot and how it's all going to tie together and how the time travel element of it or not time travel inversion, how that's all yeah. going to work that he like the dialogue and stuff suffers for it. And I think the biggest issue I guess is that with all of Nolan's films and we we've just discussed them and, and looked at them. So it's impossible not to compare them. Yeah, of course. Um, but with all of them um, and particularly in these later ones, we talked about this is that he's able to get the big actors people like DiCaprio and McConaughey to come in and bring that emotional sort of core to it. So that there's yeah. always something for you to cling to. And in this instance, there really isn't that there no. is just, it's just about the concept. The closest they come to trying to have that emotional core, I guess, is the story with um, Elizabeth Debicki's character and her son. Cause it's meant to be all about her trying to be with her son. Yeah. That's like the emotional stakes of the thing. But we never actually even see her have a conversation with her son. Like, I don't think, do we even see the son's face at any point? I think we see him at the end. We see him right at the very end. But like, if that's the emotional state, because like, if you think about it, in contrast to like, you know, Inception is Dom trying to get back to his kids and mm -hmm. getting over the loss of his wife and grieving for her in amongst this entire ridiculous, you know, going into people's dreams and all the rest of it. But there isn't really that in Tenet. The closer we get is her wanting to be with her son but they don't spend enough time for us to give a shit about it. No, we don't. And there's like, there's one moment that's right at the very end of the film and you go, okay. Mm. And there's like, and it's, but it's such a small gesture that I will talk about it after we do the spoiler tag. Mm. But, um, but yeah, I liked this film. Yeah. Uh, I will firmly say right now, this is my least favorite Christopher Nolan film. Okay. I think it's so weighed down with its own pomp that it suffers because of it. 
I think there's so much spectacle in there. And I feel basically like he's bitten off more than he can swallow. Mm. And you, there's so much in there that's absolutely spectacular. Yeah. And I will say on repeat viewings, there is stuff in there that makes you go, huh, that's brilliant. Yeah. And there are parts that are in there that go, huh, that's still nonsense. <laughs> Okay, maybe we have you got them written down or something? Because I'll be interested. I've got a couple of bits. Like it's it becomes more and more clear that as you're watching it like through for the second time, that it's just this mumble core. Everybody's oh, gonna gonna talk very seriously, but very quietly, and we're gonna look away from the camera a bit slightly. We're never gonna reiterate this really important point that we're gonna talk about quite quick. And then, and now we're in India. Yeah, and you're like, oh, hold on, like, like and the, yeah, exactly. And then the score's Wrong. kicking you in the back teeth <laughs> while somebody's trying to have a quiet conversation, and then a gun goes off backwards, <laughs> and then like it's I don't know, like, I don't know. There is so like, there is a lot of it that I really really enjoy. Yeah, I enjoy the fact that it's about inversion of time. Yeah, it's a really cool um, concept, but it's not much more than that. Which is a cool concept, it. exactly. And then there are things that happen in there that happened too quickly mm. that you're like, hang on, hang on, hang on. Like, am I missing this? Like, cause I'm not a stupid person. You know, I believe that we speak quite, uh, quite clearly and quite well about films and we do have an understanding of it. But when you see things that are just bouncing around, I still, after two viewings have questions about certain things that happen in this film. Yeah. Because they don't make it clear. Yeah. And Pass, and then they have a mumbly passing conversation about it. Yeah. And you just like, just take the time. Like you've done it in Inception. Like yeah, one know. of the things that people say about Inception is that like, as we were saying, like every time they go through, they explain everything. The same with um, Interstellar. Yeah. They go through and they talk you through it and they talk it through and they cl- explain it in a clear and coherent way. Whereas with this, it feels like a half-baked idea that they're just running past you really quickly so you don't ask questions. And then when you do ask, when you're about to get to a point when you're asking a question, a plane flies into it, it gets driven into the side of a building. Yeah. And you're like, okay, right. So now I'm onto this bit. Like you never have time to really process anything that's happening because yeah. you're either being yelled at with an oppressive score, which is, fa- which is a fantastic score, by the way. I would say it's one of, probably one of my favourite scores. It's not done by Hans Zimmer this time. It's done by Ludwig Garanson, mm. who um, uh, worked on Black Panther and has worked on like a number of really big, high-profile projects. Yeah, The Mandalorian. Um, well, exactly, yeah, Mandalorian, for example. A fantastic composer. And channels his sort of inner Zimmo here, Mm. to sort of work to a certain scale but yeah like and there are parts that are raised early on like there's a character that says something in the end of the first act and you're like okay didn't think didn't notice that yesterday and you start to think that this is going to be a little bit more prestige and that it's going to get better with second viewings Mm. but it doesn't necessarily Okay, that's interesting. I think you notice more. I don't, you know if you, also... I don't know if you've watched it too quickly after the first viewing. <laughs> uh, no, I wouldn't say so. Like, there are points, like, there's a specific point that I want to raise. That when we start talking about, obviously, we are talking about, like, inversion here, right? Yeah. And it's not a spoiler because that's what happens. And 
I don't think it's a spoiler to say at some point in the film, people start to become inverted. Yeah, there, there are instances whereby we will re, there are scenes that you revisit. I think that's yeah. that's a fair. You know, we won't say what scenes they are. I don't. I don't even. Yeah, but you you see a scene more than one time. Well, you see things from like different perspectives. Yeah, but at the same time, like again, that's like pulling the curtain back slightly, and you're like, oh, this is me seeing it from Freddie's perspective rather than Danton's perspective, and this is me yeah. seeing it from this perspective rather than this perspective. Which is that whole subjectivity but it's thing, so which has always been up. Nolan's um, mo, really. Yeah. But one thing that bogs me down, it just feels so bogged down with its cleverness. Yeah. Yeah. It you, feels, I feel, it, it I feel just, like you, yeah, you, you felt like um, you, you, that pissed you off, basically, didn't it? And it, yeah, because it, it pulled me out of the film. Like, it just made me, like, I get it. Like, I'm a big fan of your work, but like, and I get that maybe you made this excruciatingly complicated film. And if, but also part of it, there's a line which is much reported where they say, don't try and understand it, just feel. Yeah. Um, no. No. <laughs> Fuck off. Okay. Fucking talk to me like that. Like, that's fucking See, my, ridiculous. My Come uns- on. Like- no, right, my understanding, my thing with that, and because we, I had this debate last night, I, I try not to think of it too much. Like, everyone's read into that, and like almost everything you see about it, like I say, it's been much talked about. Everyone's going, like, Oh, that's mm-hmm. no that's no one talking to us, the audience. I'm like, I don't really even necessarily think it is. I think no. if you just, in the context of the, the scene, the guy she's talking to, i.e., um, John David Washington's character, who doesn't even get a name, by the way, he's called the protagonist, which is brilliant. Yeah. Um, he is, he's basically, he's an operative, he's, a, he's an agent. And it's like, for, for him to do his job, it doesn't matter if he understands the science of it. All he needs to do is be able to operate like that. Are you going to be able to be an inverted person? Are you going to be able to use these inverted rounds? So for, in that context, for her, to, for her to say, don't try to understand it, just feel it so that you know how, yeah. it, how this feels, it makes perfect sense. People because she's that... describing, she's, but she's describing the action of it, right? Yeah, exactly. But like taken but, out of but, context, everyone's like, "Oh no!" But he's a, he's talking to us and saying not for us not to understand him. It's like, no, he's not. There's a it's a line in the film that serves a function. Yeah, yeah but you can't characters. you can't say you can't make that divide between this film and in the Prestige when they say right at the start of the film, "Are you watching closely? Are you watching closely?" Because that no, that's, you can't that's you can't directed. make that. No, that's the distinction that he's not saying that to the audience. He's he's saying that to another person in the film. It's not done in a voiceover. It's done in the same narrative structure that it's done in the prestige. So people are going to take it in that way. Well, damn, that's she what doesn't, she, doesn't, she doesn't say it in a voiceover, does she? No, and it's it's. But that's what I'm saying is it's like. But in the prestige, it's not done in voiceover. It's done. The audio is from a scene, but you're seeing something different. It's not a voiceover, as in it's not a voice of God being like. Now be prepared, everybody. This is going to be magic, and you're going to be magic, uh, yeah, magic, so. magic show. But that's what I mean. Is there there is a big distinction between dividing this film from saying that and the prestige from saying that? Yeah, okay. because. But at the same time, like, I get it because it makes more sense to the character when she's like, "Don't overthink it. Just go with your instinct." About yeah, you're not catching it. Yeah, you're dropping it. Yeah, but in reverse. Yeah. You can't, you can't just, you can't pick something up if it hasn't been dropped in the first instance. Because, exactly, yeah, exactly. I, but, yeah. And that's <laughs> like, what I mean. Like that's I, what I enjoyed about it because you're like, right, you're <clears> contextualizing <throat> that in a softer way, and you're making it a little bit 
more clear to somebody that's like myself for example is like a textbook overthinker i think about every single movement or every single thing that i need to do to get a task done whereas if i just get on with it it'll be a lot smoother and a lot more efficient and my and i'll just go with it which works in this instance but that line if it is intended in that way is just like no fuck off like like i'm not just gonna sit here and expect you to be and be like oh it's all right christopher i know that you understand it because you're the most intelligent man in the room but that's what i mean is it it feels it feels a bit smug okay all right well that's, that's i think that's, that's my problem with it yeah that well that's like you're, you're projecting that onto it or or you know that's your own I don't know. I don't know what to say about that. I didn't feel that. But no, no, yeah, no, of course not. And that's the thing. Like these are, as we keep saying about all these things, like we are going to feel differently about different things, and like we are going to be subjective on the way we look at different things. Yeah. But I just, I don't know. It's I don't feel like personally attacked or anything like that. It, it sounds I like just you feel. <laughs> no, of course I don't. Um, I just feel like I say it's bitten off more than it can chew. And it feels like, I th- do you know what? It feels like Christopher Nolan making, it's, it's sort of bought into his own hype a little bit. Yeah, I think that what's interesting is that like, I looked af- looked into it afterwards and it's interesting that Jonathan didn't have a credit on this. Yeah. Um, and I, if, I feel like it should have done. I feel like they, he should have gone to his brother and said, can you have a part of this? Yeah. Um, because particularly like, as we talked about last week with them, um, interstellar like his grounding in the science elements of it yeah he might have been able to do a better job of explaining it not that they don't really they, they do explain it fairly well and I'm, i feel like yeah i understand the concepts behind it well enough to be able to follow what's happening and and what's happening is these amazing action sequences and i think that's the one thing that i'd say that it has and could potentially be one of the best of in terms of Nolan is action sequences um that's where it that that's where it sits in the in the pantheon, if you like, in in all his mm. movies, is that these have the most ambitious, like, sort of mind bending, amazing looking action sequences because they are it is pure stunt work, but they've got this whole inversion element going on. So you have a car chase happening, both um, in the right direction and in reverse at the same time. You see it happen twice, and what and like yeah i love all that stuff that's great and that that's me is like that's the value of this particular nolan film as it sits in the in the wider um in his wider body of work if you like yeah like and i get it because and that's the thing there are, like i say when it's not a spoiler to say that when you see like people when somebody or well when people in this film become inverted the yeah. way that that's shot yeah if you go back like this is something that i noticed more on my second viewing but when you go back and you realize that what they're doing is yeah. they're acting in reverse mm. they're doing all these movements backwards but then they've reversed the footage yeah so they're so like they are <clears throat> I don't know whether they're saying it or more mouthing the words backwards and there are lines that are being done backwards, but then they've obviously gone in and ADR'd it. So it sounds comprehensible and not like something out of Twin Peaks. But, um, but yeah, it's fucking spectacular. Like technically 
this film's a fucking marvel. That's what I mean, yeah. And that's where it's like, it, if I've got to like compare an action sequence from, you know, the, the, the final action sequence in Inception, for instance, compared to the final action sequence in Tenet, Tenet's better. Yeah. But only on a technical, spectacular point of view. The difference with um, Inception is that you're more bought into the, um, the characters and what's actually what's at stake. Yeah, because um, it's been... Has been comprehensively explained, but and it's from a, like from a pure visual point of view. If you're comparing the the fight sequence or the or the big the action sequence in the snowy hotel at the end of Inception to the giant battle that happens at the end of Tenet, Tenet wins. Yeah, uh, I don't know if it's just the scale of it. I well, think the, just like the, the, yeah, the 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 stunts, the sort of like if I'm thinking about it from a from a purely like almost like a John Wick point of view. Like, it's a gi- just a giant spectacle of an action sequence. And this is yeah. Nolan's twist on that because Nolan does weird shit with time. And so what that means is you're going to see that building blow up, but you're also going to see that building blow up in reverse. And it's like, yeah, I love yeah. it. I just, it, it gave me that grin on my face just to see this sort of spectacular, ridiculous cinema thing that is just like... That's I can't also this. part of the issue that I've got here yeah. is there is a section, there is... That's, you talking about a building blowing up. There's yeah. a specific point when they both, when they blow up a building. Yeah. And then it, it goes into the inverted section where it's reformed. Yeah. And then it blows up in a different way. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Doesn't make sense for the timeline then. Like, so you've, you've blown up a building, but then you've blown it up in a different way in the same timeline. There are things that happen in three different ways in this film. And that's what's like another thing that's frustrating me because you're like, like, okay, I get it. And then, but then you do something like that and you're like, right, I've blown up this building. This built, this building is already blown up, right? We're going to fire a missile at it and it's going to reform. And then we're going to fire another missile at it and it's going to blow up, but it's going to blow up in a different way. So it's already undermining the same message that it's got as it goes through with certain things, like about the um, like the way that everything sort of is structured in this sort of pincer movement. But yes, yeah, a, like um, it undermines itself in in a few places. And I'm like, come on, like, like you are amazing at this stuff. But be uh, and that's I think part of what's one of the things because I said to you last night, I don't know whether I like this film or I hate this film. And it's because there's so much in there that sort of it, like this, it sort of just it doesn't like completely drop the ball. No, but what it does is it fumbles it in a way that goes that where you, where I just feel that it could have been done in a better way. And yeah. I don't know how. Like, well, I do actually. I do know how for a lot of it is have a proper explanation and don't have it in broken, garbled, muffled speeches that's mumbled at one person in the background whilst someone's blowing a trumpet in your ear. Because, like, you and I know, well, no, like, I like complicated films. I like loud films. I like this. What I don't like is incomprehensible films where stuff's there, but you, it, it feels like it's del- being deliberately hidden a bit. And you're yeah. like... But yeah, there's so much about it that's great. 
Are you, I feel like this is a therapy session. Are you gonna, Are you okay? No, not really. Like, <laughs> but like going back and seeing it the second time has given me a bit of closure because it's yeah. not me just being grumpy because I'm really tired on a Sunday night. Yeah, it's actually like the same points exist, like yeah. the same frustrations exist, and some things are better. Yeah, but some things are some of the some of the things are in there. The the technical achievements are better, but seeing them a second time makes them a little bit less you're less blown away by it yeah yeah so because you're seeing like, it for you're seeing it for a second time and you go okay like seeing it for the first time blows your mind yeah seeing it for the second time you're like okay yeah um to me like i'm looking to go back so i'm going to go back and try and go back again maybe next weekend because i want to give enough space to it that's the thing i want to give i don't want to because what I love, and again, it's kind of a, it's a bit of a meta thing, I guess, but like what I love about this film and his films generally is that you stay up and think about them and they stay with you mm-hmm. and you'll puzzle over it and digest it and read theories on it and just and talk about it and discuss it and debate it for years, like years and years to come. Like our, our episode that we just put out on his film, his body of work is testament to that. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's almost it's un, almost unfair to compare it to those because we those things have been like you know Inception's ten years old. Yeah. We've all seen it multiple times. We all know all the different theories. We know it inside out. We know and all the rest of it. So to then compare it to something brand new that you see once and it's just blasted in your face is kind of a bit of an unfair comparison to begin with. But what I love is like they're not, uh, they're nothing we're looking not, at it through two different lenses though. Like yeah. we are looking at it from. Like I will stand by the fact that I came out of Prestige, I came out of Interstellar, I came out of Inception, having seen those films at the cinema. I yeah. came out every single one of them and went, "Fucking wow!" Yeah, no, I completely agree that it didn't give me that. The the, the Tenet did not give me that, and I don't. Doesn't matter how many times I watch it, it's not gonna. If it doesn't do it the first time, it's not gonna. Yeah. Um, I completely agree with that. It didn't give me what I what I would call like the um, the Nolan mic drop that he does at the very end of the movie. So like you know at, at the end of Inception, it's obviously it's the spinning top where it yeah. ends and you just like you like your hands on your on your head. Oh oh my god! Like that like that moment at the very end. And then the same with like the Prestige, the, the big reveal at the end where it's like. Um, Here's all, all the dead Angiers in the in the um, in the tanks, and as Michael Caine, you want to be fooled, cut to black. Like those are amazing moments, and that's the things that like you go, oh fuck, and then you start thinking about everything you just saw. Didn't get that with Tanet, and I don't think no. you're ever gonna. Doesn't matter how many times you watch it. So no. I completely agree with you, and I'm not. I'm not saying like I'm not. I agree. It is probably going to end up. If I was to rank everything, no matter how, even given a bit more time to digest it and multiple viewings, it's still probably going to end up towards the bottom of my my list. But I fucking love that it exists. I just love that this is a thing. I love that it exists. Yeah, I genuinely do. I think it's fucking great for what it does. It's brought a new dimension of filmmaking and, for lack of a better term, prestige. Yeah, and the caliber of filmmaking that it brings in. The school of when they were talking about it has less visual effect shots than most rom coms and stuff yeah. like that. I think is incredible. Yeah. And for that, it absolutely succeeds. Like yeah. Robert Pattinson is brilliant. Everyone's great in like, it as well. That's nothing yeah. to say. Everyone's great. The cast, well, apart from Kenny Branny's 
accent is a Russian bit wonky. <laughs> is a bit wonky. And you're just like, just... And then they're like, oh, they kind of sort of explain it away with a line, because which felt like it might have been added in later. And they're like, oh, the Russian guy. Oh, it's Anglo-Russian. Oh, yeah. oh that, okay, that's, that's, that's what the accent is, is it? Yeah. And you're like, and, uh, but yeah. Um, but yeah, there's definitely, there's something about that, uh, uh, a certain scene in a restaurant with a certain person that I, I need to talk about post-spoiler tag. Okay. Um, yeah, I mean, to, to discuss it any further, I think we do need to get into that post-spoiler tag then, really, don't we? I mean, we've talked about yeah. how we feel. I think it's worth seeing um for, the, for if you're a nolan fan, i wouldn't recommend this to everybody by any stretch of the imagination if you're no. a fan of nolan and you're prepared for some complicated shit it's worth seeing just for the for the spectacle and, and the uh, action sequences it's worth going to see for that um, yeah it's not a night out of the flicks and go and see something that's exciting and no like you're like oh like, hey cool that was but, fun and you come out and you're like that was good i'm glad we had a nice time yeah. This one's going to make you scratch your head, but and it's yeah. not going to be for everyone. Like I know people are just are de- definitely just not going to enjoy this because of the way that it works. True, but then there are other people who would love it a lot more than yeah. we do. Like it is getting those five star reviews and places, and I'm, I haven't really engaged with them yet because I wanted to obviously get ours out. But I'll be mm-hmm. interested to see how much of it is. Are people just buying into knowing too much and just throwing five stars out there, or do, am I missing something? Or Oh, yeah, I don't know. But again, I love that there is that debate to be had. And it is, it is nothing if not a disposable movie, which so much of like mainstream cinema is these days. It is just another exactly. thing. Exactly. Like, what, what the conversation that we had off air the other day, Yeah, where I was saying about how I'm just fed up of the third act is two people punching one another. Yeah. Like, there is an existence of that within this film. But then the overall sensibility of everything that's behind it, the narrative, the plot, everything that's in there is so much more than we need to punch this guy to save the world. Yeah. Yeah, agreed. And it's just it's just it's original. It's it's something like you've never seen before. Um, yeah, and it is that, totally, totally different. To and for that on its own, and the fact that it's this is the only instance where because we talk about like really craving that originality and it's like most of the, all that originality now that you find it tends to be a Netflix film or a, you know, or like something on shutter or whatever it happens to be a real low budget indie film. That's the only place you can get originality these days with yeah. one exception, Christopher Nolan. Yeah. That's the one. So on that basis, love it, bring it on. Like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> um, yeah. Bring it yeah. on. Do more and do better, but do, <laughs> but definitely do more. Yeah. I don't um, think I, I don't think I'm like, unjustified in saying you need to deliver things in a better way you need to stop you need to think about in the way that the things were structured like one of the notes that i took today said fire the sound engineer yeah the sounds fucked and, I, and it's interesting that obviously you went to a different cinema um today and it was the same issue mm-hmm. um because so, part of that i was like we were watching it in imax so it was crazy but like I've, i remember that being an issue with um interstellar as well that was a that was an issue uh people mm. were saying they couldn't understand they couldn't hear what people were saying because just the just the school was overpowering you couldn't understand like that's why one of the first things i said to you when we came out of the first screen yesterday was i want to watch that again i want to watch it with subtitles yeah i what? almost went to an audio describe uh subtitle showing 
yeah and that's the if and when i when i get it at home when there's a home release of it that's probably how i'll watch it the first time i'll watch it mm. with subtitles so i can get because there's a certain amount of me that like much as we've sort of criticized him not explaining things clearly i'm still aware of the fact that this is the guy who wrote memento 20 years ago yeah you know I mean? so i'm like i'm sure that there are everything's there for this to make sense but i just i need to dig in to find it because it's been i don't I wouldn't say it's that. It's obscured because of the fact that it's being said like in a half mumbled line off screen with someone but wearing a mask. you picked up how really Memento worked. Yeah, like, but pick, I mean, people picked up how Memento worked right away, and like, but what I'm saying with this is like, there are parts in there where you it feels sloppy. Yeah. That I think that's part of the problem that I've got actually with it is that some of it just feels really sloppy. Okay. Do you get in specifics or not without spoiling? Not really. Well, I mean, it's the same thing. It's like, you know, you are trying to have dialogue with somebody and there are so many instances where, for, for lack of a better term, he spent a pound on the word count when he could have spent 10p. Yeah. You know, and he, they're just like, like everyone's got like this really sort of flippant way of saying things of saying really profound things in a short way that's actually not really very clear yeah you're like oh well for but you've got to do this thing because i can't do this thing without you knowing this thing and you're like right i get it i get that we can't yeah spoilery bits but come on there has to be a way that you can communicate this without being sort of elitist almost you are per- you are you personally attacked by this aren't you i'm not at all like i <laughs> genuinely not personally attacked by it. it's like it's fine like as it stands so much of this film is absolutely spectacular but it's really let down by some really really sloppy things mm. and that's what annoys me because i expect so much better from nolan yeah maybe, maybe that's the thing like because we've gone back and done all these things in like an intense period of time it's like you the sort the, the Dunkirk thing that you were saying about, like you felt like his mark over all this amazing story. Yeah, you know, and it just feels here that there are like technical things that should be really basic things in filmmaking that have been done in a really sloppy way have yeah. sort of marred it for me. Yeah, but also I think I totally bought into the hype as well. Yeah, I think that that's that's the problem with this with anyone reviewing this movie, there is so much um, baggage behind it because of what's going on at the moment. Mm-hmm. Because if this had come out just in the, you know, in amongst the normal summer blockbuster season, that's what, what this, what this was meant to do was come out, you know, in July or whenever it was originally due to come out after which we would have seen, you know, another Marvel movie Here's the sequel to wonder woman. Here's all that, all that sort of stuff. And then this would have come out and we would have like, oh, what a breath of, breath of fresh air. How original is this? Let's go watch it again. How cool is this? Difference now is we've had this just, you know, this long drought of nothing. And we've mm. built this up. We've watched all these old movies. There's all this like hype around it. We've seen the trailer like three times more t- more than you would usually because it's been such a long build up to it. So that I, f- I feel like there's a, to a certain extent, it was kind of like, it was always going to let people down. It was kind of that the, the, um, the Phantom Menace paradigm 
the hype for it was never was could never possibly live up to the amount of pressure that was on it to a certain extent. That's not saying to a that certain it, extent. Not, it's not excuse. to a certain extent. I'm not saying that that's it, but it's something to bear in mind because it doesn't you know nothing exists in a bubble. Yeah, um, but we've been, but remember, like we've been to see, we've watched a lot of new things, and we've been getting into doing new th- new things with films. True, but the, you know, but and we've been like... to the cinema, and we're like, I know, yeah, it's probably not for everyone because some people aren't happy about going to the cinema at points like this. But that's our choice to do that. Yeah, and we have continued to do so in a safe and appropriate way. Mm-hmm. But the issues that. The, the the issues that are in this film would still exist without the hype. True. I think there might be a slight chance of we may yeah. have been a bit more forgiving. Yeah. But at the same time, I don't I don't want to have to forgive Christopher Nolan for that. <laughs> you know. Yeah. He's the fucking star pupil, man. Like he's the guy that shouldn't be doing this stuff. But again, like, like, yes, he's that... a victim of his own success. But at the same time, like you need to consistently perform. Yeah. in a high way and if you're going to be putting out if you're going to be insisting that this is the film that's going to you know it's not going to be demonstrated in any other way other than in this sort of style and in this way of being made mm. and you're like no no this is exactly how this film has to be done it has to be in theaters it has to be this and it has to be this then justify it fully yeah you know yeah no okay agreed um, should we get into spoilers then, shall we? Yeah. Get into more specifics. Um, so yeah, that's our thoughts on Tanet, guys. It sounds like, um, obviously Tom's much more disappointed in it than I am. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, which is fair enough. Um, I'm still obviously being that, yeah, I, I liked it, didn't love it. Um, but I... No, pre- same, but I just, yeah, I have less of a like. I like it less than you do. Yeah, again, and like part of it, I I appreciate like speaking of that, you know, nothing exists in a bubble type thing. Mm. I think part of it for me was just that I just loved the fact that there was, we was a film where we had a group of us getting mm. together to go and watch a movie and sitting there watching and look, having everyone's reactions and, and just, and it being a social event of going to watch a new movie that we hadn't seen before together in the cinema with a bunch of guys. Yeah. And I love that. So part of me, like, and that's got nothing to do with the quality of the film. That's just the context in which I'm watching the film. So I appreciate the fact that that might be something that I'm bringing to it that makes me be more forgiving of it than I should mm-hmm. be. Um, but yeah, it's, this is a weird time to be doing what we're doing, which is reviewing movies that are coming out. Um, but we Especially is- when we've both got such a emotional connection to cinema and film. Yeah. Yeah, but, it's it's my it's our thing. It's what we like to do. Um, yeah. And like, part, part of me, I was just, I was excited to be sat in the cinema with my mates watching a film that we were all excited to see, which because that hadn't happened for like over a year almost, it feels. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So that's part of like, and and just, yeah. And then as I'm watching it, there's ridiculous, oh, look, their car just went backwards. <laughs> I'm just, yeah. It's just amazing. Yeah, like some of the shit you're seeing happening in front of you was just, it just brought me joy um, in a way that makes me more forgiving of the, the yeah. failings of this film. And there are plenty of failings of this film. Um, like I say, the biggest issue for me is the, the lack of any sort of emotional anchor for the whole thing. That's, yeah, that's, no, my, yeah. that's my thing that I feel like more so than any of the, the dialogue and all the rest of it. I could forgive there being dialogue missed or things being, you know, not given full explanations. I could forgive that if I was just bought in enough to the characters and gave a shit in the same yeah. way that I did about Dom in Inception or 
Borden and and Angier in um, the Prestige. Yeah. They're the things that make it that elevate it from being just a concept piece to being a great film. And this mm-hmm. didn't have that, and it's never gonna. But that's okay. Yeah, and that and that's part of it. But yeah, as we'll we'll get into yeah. Spoiler. Anyway, that's our thoughts on Tenet. Go and see it or don't. <laughs> yeah, but it's um it's an interesting one. Let's talk spoilers. Yes. Right, go on then. What do you want to say? What have you got? <laughs> right, load of it. Lo- like, right. So <laughs> my main thing is the uh, how. So we've obviously got. So we've got the final battle scene. Yeah. And we've got the reds and the blues versus mm-hmm. the nondescript bad guys. So we've got they're, the brown costume, white, red tags, and they're wearing grey or white. But because they're in a dirty environment, everyone's covered in dust. And it's incomprehensible. That's fine. That happens in so many different things. What does bother me is that there's no hint of like when they go through and Pattinson does his little switcheroo. Yeah. And then he does he's like, Oh, I did a switch back and then another switch back, and then I'm gonna keep switching back. And you're like, just fucking say it. Just say it. Just don't just keep going, oh just just switch around. I'm gonna do switch, and then everything feels re- everything feels overly cryptic, and it feels overly and it feels weighted down by the fact that it's overly cryptic. Yeah. Uh, overly cryptic. That's part of the issue that I've got. Is that so much of it feels really bogged down in saying these what are, sound, are supposed to be really cool and mysterious or ambiguous lines, but they don't lead anywhere. You're like you. It's the Joey paradigm when he writes from a thesaurus. Like the words are all right, but you put them in a certain way and you say them in a certain way, and it just doesn't—it doesn't form a cohesive way. And you're Why like, is this signed "Baby Kangaroo Tribbiani"? <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. And it's like, and then they go, oh, and then, but it's all the wanky lines that I hate so much about time travel things. Like, yeah, I know, like that, that, I know it's not time travel. That is part of the issue that I've got with it. Yeah. But, uh, like but what I'd like about this is this that this does exist in the same way that Interstellar does, that there is a cyclical point. Yeah. It is a closed loop. Yeah. Um, and but the point that I the prob the part that I have the problem with in this is especially like the farewell scene at the end. Yeah. And they're like, Oh well we were gonna what are we doing now? Are we gonna all each each one of us is gonna take a bit and we're gonna go and do this bit and then we're gonna kill ourselves at some point. Are you gonna kill yourself? Yeah, when I feel like it. Are you gonna kill me? Yeah. You're not gonna do it right away though. Might do. Ah, oh, what are you gonna do? Ah, oh, I'm gonna give you this now. Oh, what are you gonna do with it? Dunno, but it's a bit mysterious, isn't it? It's just so bogged down and you're like, just fucking say it. Just fucking say it. Yeah. You're so clever with your dialogue. So clever with the way that you do it. But you've gotten so caught up in this weird wanky loop in these like these certain scenes. Yeah. And you just go, Oh well well, but your my my past is your future is in my past and my past is in your Wednesday and Tuesday might be yesterday. 
It's like, <laughs> fuck off. Stop. Like, <laughs> there is a sensible way to have these dialogue points in the film. Like, and you're like, oh, we're, we're going we're gonna to explain about one of the larger parts of time travel that exists within fiction. The grandfather paradox. Yeah. But what we're not going to do, we're going we're gonna to do it, and I'm going to be lying down, and I'm going to be facing the duvet. I'm not really going to be speaking aloud. But then there's loads of stuff happening in the background. And I'm going to kind of say it whilst I'm yawning. And you're just not really going to focus on what I'm doing. And then, and then it just kind of peters out a bit. And then just don't pay attention. Did your head hurt? Have you got a headache? Have you got a headache? Yeah? Because there are three or four points in this film where they're like, are you getting it yet? Are you getting it? Don't try and understand it. Are you getting it? Have you got a headache yet? Oh, it's tough to, it's tough to take on board, isn't it? And you're like, yes. <laughs> just don't. Like, yes, it is complicated. Stop telling us how fucking complicated it is and just dial it back a bit because it's excruciating at points when you're just like, oh, just one line of normal dialogue. Be a human. Like, he's not a human. He's, he's made of clocks. Exactly. <laughs> he's made of clocks and puppet strings. And each of the clocks got a different number on it. But not a normal human number is going to be like 36. You know, like, what does that mean? And he's like, haha, I'll tell you that in three weeks' time, last month. Yeah, okay. That's part of the problem that I have. <laughs> like, I know I went on a bit of a trade there, but it's just. Yeah, I, well, I feel like, like it, it's... it exists in the film. Like, this work exists in there. And, like, the whole. <laughs> like, the, the highway scene. Yeah. And you're like, oh, we're going to need this and we're going to need this. And then this one has to be a fire truck and we need this and we need this. And there's this really like overly specific nature about the things. Yeah. And then they just box it in. No, well, yeah. Like, they need the fire truck because it needs to have a, a ladder on it so it can get across. Right. And it needs to be, and the side of the size of the trucks was dictated by something that would be able to pin it in, I guess. Um, <laughs> but that's what I mean is it's like and then they do that and then you're like right here's the highway chase and then they go and then they do the highway chase mm. and then they get to the point where he where protagonist becomes inverted yeah and then he comes out of that which I will say is one of the best points in my opinion probably one of the best scenes of the entire film What's that when he's when he's inverted? When they're when they're talking when he's first inverted, yeah. Because that entire performance is backwards. Yeah. Everything that everybody's doing around that when they take it, they're hanging things up, they're giving things to him, they're putting things down. That's all backwards. Yeah. But it's been replayed forwards. Yeah. And it's fucking masterful. Yeah, I love all that stuff. And it's such like, a subtle touch, and yeah. that's what I love about Nolan. Yeah. But then you get to the end of the film and he could just have a slight explanation. But it's also like really heavily like oh like really juxtaposed with like like really heavy handed stuff. Yeah. And he's like Oh what you knew about this the whole time? Yeah. Who hired me? You did. Haven't you guessed that yet? Yes, yes, yes we have. But what you could have done, you could have shown us like an interesting flashback. 
or no, no, the whole idea is that now there's going to be there's going to be a sequel that is also called Tenet, and you know, there's no way of distinguishing it from the previous previous one. But it's all going to be from Robert Patterson's point of view because it's a temporal um, pincer movement. Temporal pincer movement. Yeah, which is said half a dozen. I think that's the only thing that people need to understand. I really, really love the idea. Yeah. That this is an organization that was formed in the future that has been informed of in the past. Yeah. Right? In the same way that Kenny Branny's whole empire has been forged in the future and is just being built in the past in like a post sort of scale. Mm. Uh, right. Here's all the info. Here's Biff's almanac. Yeah. 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 Go and be rich. Do all these things because we need you to get to this point. There's a part of me that's like all this machination was set up by the protagonist because that was would allow him to be in the position where he needs to understand where this is all coming from so he can be in control of the algorithm. Yeah. Right? That's part of what I was like, this is quite clever. That's what I've taken away from it. But that's what I took away from it last night. What I took away from it today was just that I just got more frustrated with the dialogue. <laughs> And it's just some of it so much, so amazing. And I was watching it. And I was like, this is brilliant. And the way that they define the, the, the inversion and the normal sort of timeline in colors yeah. and the way that you're like, like things are fed there early on. And like the, the knife wound in the arm or yeah. what I presume is a knife wound or the, whatever wound it is in the arm. Um, is telegraphed and you're like oh, okay so he yet yeah, you see him do that and then you see the gun being telegraphed from the fight that he takes the chamber off the top of the gun yeah and you see that very early on in the film and that's a breadcrumb yeah. that bit these bits are great like there's so much in there that's brilliant yeah but then there's just a lot of it in there that's just frustrating gump <laughs> and that's that's what's yeah. that's what's annoying me about it because I want to love this film. Yeah. See, I to be fair, like part of it might be yeah, because you've got issues with time travel. Or you don't. You don't tend to like time travel stories. I love time travel. Yeah. I love uh, any sort of version of it. And I love. I love the central c- concept or conceit of this. Of not so much. So the inversion is one thing, and that's more of a functional thing in terms of look how cool these action sequences are. But the white, the bigger plot of it being something whereby there's some sort of war in the future. And because of the way the weapons that are used in that war, there are these things, these objects and detritus, as she calls it, of of an upcoming war that have now been, these objects are inverted and being sent back through time because there's been some sort of nuclear bomb. Because they do talk about radiation being part of it and how it's been achieved. Yeah. How they've, they've managed to do this. So there's some sort of bomb has gone off and now we've ended up with things being sent back through time. Like, because that's how power, that's what weapons in the future are like now. And they talk about... Um, Oppenheimer and him like and his thoughts on it and then she talks about there is a in generations to come there is a scientist who comes up with this technology and yeah. realizes how important it is and how it can't be used again divides up the equation into nine different sections so no one can ever get it and decides to hide it in the past so you, yeah. you can't I'm like all that I love that idea that all sounds really cool <laughs> like, I'm, all, I'm down for all of that so I'm just like that's part of why I'm more forgiving of it. Maybe that's, if it's bollocks, 
yeah, it's bollocks, but I like it. It's it's like yeah. in the same way that I like a good episode of Black Mirror. That's what this is. It's a good episode of Black Mirror stretched out way too much. <laughs> like it's that's what it is. Is is like it's a Twilight Zone episode with a two hundred and fifty million dollar budget. I'm I'm here for it. Like it's. But that's what I mean. Like that's what I enjoy about it. When they, when they, the way that they explain, um, when they explain about how the and again, like every any, basically any time I say time travel, just put it in, inversion. in speech marks. Like, but like when say about inversion and like that sort of side of things. When we're talking about the actual time travel part, where for example, Andre his is being left messages from the future yeah and it's and they're like oh so how does it work oh well he does a dead drop so he puts he puts one of these things in the ground Mm. and in the future they use this special radiation to send the thing to the past that to to reverse the entropy of whatever it is and send yeah. it to the past well, that's and it how comes they got it in it the first to, place and that's, that's how they got that's what we do get in a in a flashback sequence we see that happen for the first time he's digging up because he's, he's been sent to um sort out or like part of the cleanup crew on a nuclear accident that happened in russia in some yeah. one of these um cities that no longer exist type thing um and in doing that he finds a box full of gold and instructions from specifically for him for him and that is someone from the future who's they've inverted that box, which has got the instructions and the gold in it. And that's how yeah. they sort of buy into him and tell him what to do. And they can, they can give him foreknowledge of what's about to happen to then allow him to build himself up to be the man that he is by the time we get round to the, the main plot yeah. of the movie. Again, that's a really cool idea. That sounds awesome. Yeah, great. <laughs> really, I think it's really good. Like somebody being guided from the future in a really interesting way. And it's all yeah. right. So if you can't do it, in a way that you know you can't obviously send people back in that same sort of way because surely physics isn't going to dictate that in an appropriate way and time doesn't work in that sort of way in this no uh, you can't you can't but send then people back, the, yeah. the questions the questions exist that could you yeah well it's, i don't know because there is there's one major thing that's really bothers me is is bothered me the first time but it was I was paying less attention the first time, but there, there's a point when you're like, okay, you have to. There's the explanation that we've got that if you are inverted, you can't breathe normal air. Mm. You have to breathe carbon dioxide, or well, it's it's not it's not as simple as that. They just sort of say that the cells, in the way that you're because you are following a different sort of entropy now, your body, your physiological system doesn't really change in that way. No. But it's like you just have to you have to have a mask now. Yeah. That's how it works. And you're like, okay, right, got it. And then but then you can be inverted back a series of days and then be reverted again. Yeah, which is what happens. Which is what happens to all of them. Well, yeah, there's the three central characters who go back a few days in time to like the uh, an action sequence that we happened we saw earlier. And part of the reason they go back there is because that's where they know there's another inversion machine. Yeah. That will allow them to and go back. And the reason back. that they go back to do that is so that they can not make an effect of the future, but because, but to go back to ensure that Elizabeth Debicki 
doesn't die. Yeah. Give her more time. Yeah. Yeah. And and you're like, okay, like I get this. Like I get so much of this works. Yeah. But then there's a point when they start talking about the dead drops and it could be again, just a single line where they're like, Oh, the dead drops are like this. And they'll go, Oh, okay. Yeah. That makes sense. But it's said in such a, I don't know, the way that it's delivered by everybody. And you're like, you just don't care. <laughs> like, just it just sounds, you're just like, oh, it's pretty interesting. Pardon? Just stop fucking mumbling. <laughs> I mean, yeah. that's, that's the thing. And I'm just like, uh, but yeah, like one thing that I, yeah, I didn't pay attention to the, the, um, uh, the re, um, reversion yesterday so i was like basically the entire way through the third act i was like this is fucking silly why hasn't she got a mask on right and then i was like oh yeah they got reverted but um the whole idea was that when they went back yeah that's they then when they went back to the airport that's when they went they started moving forward in time again yeah what it essentially meant was that that put from that point on in the movie there are two versions of them running around and they have to avoid themselves um, because they they've essentially they have essentially time travelled in a in a in a way because my understanding of and again they, well, they have yeah because they, the, they the reversion is is uh, existence of the same item moving in reverse in the in the same plane that you are yeah so you can't touch it you can't touch the same cells yeah but yeah um, but I, I wish they they should have made another point like the fact that they spent a couple of days inverted I think they could have sort of shown that a bit better just to make people understand so like just the way that time moving backwards in terms of like you know you don't wake up in the morning it just it continues to get earlier and earlier rather than getting later and later in the day like show that what was the day in the life of a inverted person look like, like yeah. do you know what i mean like even though we but then there's no time for that because it's a very stance time we've got to save elizabeth the biggie yeah <laughs> so um but yeah, and I love that. Like, there are all these little concepts that get thrown around, and then and questions again. It comes back to like some of the stuff that you explored in Interstellar, talking about climate change. Because mm-hmm. part of the reason that, like, one of the the sort of big twists, I guess, towards the end is that like the reason the people in the future are trying to destroy us is because they feel that by destroying us, they can save themselves. It's their last ditch resort because we've completely fucked the world. And it's like if they and they believe that if they're able to go back and stop us and wipe us out in a way using this, yeah. this technology and using, um, because the idea is they've created this sort of time bomb with the algorithm that if it goes off and, it, and um, what's his name? Kendrick Branagh is tied into his, um, his life essentially. So if he was to die, then the bomb will go off and then like all of the world will start working backwards. That's my understanding of it. Where it's it's not that everything would yeah it's that at that point the world will become inverted rather than individual items and people. Yeah, it would that everything would suddenly start turning back on itself in yeah. one go, and it would just be the Chaos. same. Yeah, yeah. the worst it world. Just, it would, yeah, a holocaust, the end of the world. Well, it's just everything would stop moving. Everything would stop at once. Yeah. So um, but then, every cell yeah, would when, stop doing everything that ever needs to do everything that's moving the the entropy of something moving forward would then go backwards and vice versa yeah. which means that there would be a collision course and everything would just cease to exist yeah 
but uh, which again it's a big cool sci-fi concept um but i love that there is that element of it in the in the in that conversation where he goes where he's justifying himself and he's like they they've run out of options all they know how to do is to maybe go back and and stop us from fucking the world for them and it's like yeah. mm, okay again you've just you've glimpsed at an idea there i wish you'd sort of expanded on that a little bit more because that's mm. really interesting like and it's like yeah have they have they you know is this the same people you know you could quite like you could argue this could even be coming from the same universe as interstellar it's yeah. like we're, we're the we're the people who caused the blight that made them have to then go out into the universe and they were like right well we've got this reversion technology let's try and there's some sort of secret organization in the future that's gonna mm-hmm. that's trying to wipe out our past selves to save just purely to save themselves because they don't believe in the grandfather paradox that's the whole thing that when they're explaining the grandfather paradox that's how um that was it, that was one thing i actually quite liked is that they, yeah. it was sort of explained that it's this an it's irrational what, thing and yeah. it's just he says oh when people believe and he was like why do people believe that and he was like doesn't matter they do well that is people that it's the fact that they don't believe in the grandfather paradox isn't it and that's why they're able to do what they're doing yeah so that they don't believe in the grandfather paradox therefore they're going to be able to go back and kill our their previous generations to save their own generations and that's yeah. not they don't think that will create a paradox and kill and therefore kill them and it's like well how can they believe that because it doesn't matter why they believe it what matters is they do and they're trying to kill us so we've yeah. got to try and stop them and it's like yeah cool I, i'm down I, I, that makes sense yeah and it's like yeah like the the way that they sort of layer in the bit with um like why andre or kenneth branagh's character andre has been chosen they're like just because he was an arms dealer or like and we that he was it was like right place at the right time he was in the right place at the right time like he yeah, was that's that's where he was he was cleaning up this nuclear waste and then we he basically was manipulated into becoming an arms dealer so that he could get access to all these nuclear materials which is conveniently well not conveniently again it makes sense like so much of this does make sense yeah but the problem is it's just explained in like really flippant ways or really mumbly ways and like yeah like i just wish i just want to love this film yeah i know i can tell it's okay because it's the sort of like time travel film that i would love like predestination is another film that i really love yeah that's all about time travel it's a set it's essentially about a time cop yeah and it's not actually time cop yeah but Meet it's another fantastic example can't be stopped <laughs> <laughs> yeah but there's so much that yeah like i i'm glad we did this episode <laughs> i've got a lot of my better? chest are you, are you okay, mate? Are you all right? Are you okay? Yeah. I feel a lot better now. I've yeah. just been able to rationalise it. Yeah. <laughs> like, to me, like I say, it, it's a big swing and it's a um, it's an ab- ambitious movie. Like, his, his last three movies, I think you can say the same thing. Of like, you know, Interstellar, Dunkirk, and now this. They're really, really ambitious and he takes big swings in them. And I think this is the biggest of the lot by far. Um, yeah. but I feel like the reason this fails more so than the others, like I say, is because it doesn't have that emotional core um, and it's mm. too concerned, but it's too wrapped up in its own um, concept to sort of, it forgets to be a movie. If yeah. it, it forgets to be yeah. a rewarding movie experience because it's just, it's so in love with its own concept. 
Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. And that's what I mean. Like that's I, when I was like calling it like saying about how it was like smug and it's like yeah. it's I, I I mean that in a less spiteful way. Yeah, I mean the, um, the, the problem with that I'm having with it, I guess, is that I, I accept that criticism of it that it's in love with its own concept. The problem is I'm also in love with the concept. <laughs> yeah. Probably it's probably a little bit less than Christopher Nolan is, but I'm also in love with the concept and love all the sci-fi elements of it. I think are fucking awesome and like exactly the kind of thing that I, and completely no I've never seen anything like it before. It raises loads of questions. You can theorize over it. You can talk like the the other theory that about Neil. So your your theory was about um Neil being uh, Michael Kay. <laughs> yeah. But the other theory that a lot of people are throwing around now is that Neil is um the son, is the little boy of Elizabeth Becky the whole way through. Because they, oh, okay. they have a very similar haircut and it like and like people are saying, like, and just there are lots of little things that, like, that would make sense. Like, if you, and if he was, because the other thing that people are sort of starting to speculate on is, like, is he planning a second part of this? Is the whole idea that he's going to make a two part thing and we're going to announce that the next one's going to be all about Neil. Right. And then, therefore, we can, we'll see, like, the other half of the, of the, of the operation, if you like. Whether he'll do that, whether I don't, think, I don't think we need to see the other side of the operation, really. I think. Well. As as like as bizarrely as it was explained, it was explained. You know, we know that Neil is, you know, this polyglot who speaks all these different languages, and he's got a master's in physics. And yeah, the reason maybe. that he is in this position, and the reason that he's where he is, and what he is, is because of the Tenet organization, the organization yeah. Tenet, rather than the film tenet if you know what i mean or the concept tenet mm. so the organization tenet hat that's founded by um the, the protagonist. protagonist um has specifically sought him out to do this in the same way that andre was recruited yeah you're like okay yeah, but what is you've that done is you've just you've just done is is that's why like my theory of this is that um uh the protagonist is also the antagonist yeah is that he's the guy that set up andre to get this and to do all of this because the way that he's so willing to use elizabeth the bicky yeah. and the way that he's just he's just like that's how we do it that's how this is done this yeah. is how we do this this is how we do this and it's like, right, he's already got these preconceived things in place already. Yeah. And that he's already sort of functioning at that level doing this sort of stuff. So it makes sense that he would be the architect of all of this as well. Yeah. So it makes sense that he, yes, he's recruited Neil and he's recruited Andre, but he's recruited them at different times and he's sort of battling himself. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, yeah, I like, yeah. That's that's why I like. I feel that there's, there's more to be explored. So it would be interesting to see if he if he was to if he did think of it in terms of there being more. Like he's never done that before. Usually he does something and then moves on. Um, yeah, like I'd like to. I'd be interested to see a sequel in this. It might, yeah, it might clarify and sort of smooth some of the uh, over the wrinkles a little bit more, or like, or maybe it will give that. It once we realise that like Neil is that little boy, suddenly that sort of emotional core that's missing to it will make a lot more sense, mm. and we'll go right. We understand now that in that first movie, 
the reason why everything was so it was so important for everything to happen the way it is isn't because of the whole end of the world thing because the other thing i guess is that they kind of it's crazy in that the the scene with michael kane talks about there was an explosion two weeks ago that's exactly this, what i was gonna say yeah and that's the end of the movie he's talking about because we yeah. haven't got there yet <laughs> and he's like oh yeah two weeks ago we detected this thing in siberia and you're like yeah huh, that is clever that is cool right like now, yeah. now that you realize it and you, it's gone full circles like we know that this happens but i can't tell you like it's yeah again it's a fixed time loop it's like well i've just explained to you what the end of the movie is but the end of the movie hasn't happened yet it's two weeks time it's like, yeah it's, no, it's two also, weeks ago <laughs> but um but yeah and it's like it is it's it's wicked. I love okay. it. Yeah, <laughs> it is good. Like that bit is good, but at the same time, like it is having seen that thing a second time. Yeah, it's very like powdered. Like it's not as it's sort of explicit as I think you might remember it if you know what I mean. Yeah, like no, seeing well, it no, twice no, and like, like he he's like, oh, we detected an ex- we detected an explosion in Siberia two weeks ago. And at no point do they ever talk about like Siberia being the place or that there's going to be a big explosion or this could be this or this could be this. And until you watch it a second time. Yeah. So that's the sort of thing that's like, that's the prestige stuff that I like. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But it just, I don't know. I feel like he, he over part of the issue that he had with it as well is that he overcomplicated like the, the first act of the movie. I feel really could have been streamlined because like a lot of the, all oh that stuff God, to do, yeah. all that stuff to do with going to the, um, what's it? The, the, the port, the free port, <laughs> yeah. all that. The only reason he's doing any of that is so that he can get in with the wife and she'll mm-hmm. set up a meeting with the, with the guys. So it's got nothing to do with the time travel. It's got nothing to do with the people in the future or the inverted boats or anything like that, but it takes up a good 20 minutes and it's a spectacular sequence. And it looks yeah. amazing and all the rest of it. But in terms of, from a narrative structure point of view, it's like, this is a very big diversion you're going on. Like, just to get this one thing done. Exactly. <laughs> and it's like, you could have, you could, might have been able to streamline that a little bit better. But then I guess it becomes important later on because of the fact that there's, we know that's where there's an inversion machine. Um, so there's that, I guess. But I don't know. I feel like there, there would have been a, a smoother, quicker way to do that. Yeah. Um, and it would have allowed you more time to maybe, you know, do build some characters that we give a shit about. Yeah. Have some emotionality in there. Like just have someone have an emotion. (laughs) Fucking robots. (laughs) Yeah. Like, because like anytime anybody laughs, it's just like a snide. (laughs) You're like, Oh, this, that's that's enough humor. There's no time for laughing. (laughs) You don't understand the grandfather paradox. Stop mumbling. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but yeah, I don't get me wrong. I did. Uh, I do like the film, but I just there's a lot of it there that's just you just, w- really wouldn't know it if you were to listen back to this episode. There's no way that anyone could could come away with the I opinion. Don't that you think anyone else could pick up on it. But no, yeah. no, no one could possibly argue that you like the film based on what you, everything you've said over the last I hour. I do like so. it. Do you though? Yeah. <laughs> I'm probably not going to watch it for a very long time. Yeah, because it's okay if you don't. Like, you don't have no, to like Nolan. No, movie, no. Like... no, I know. But, um, no, you know me. I don't give a fuck. Um, 
but at the same time it's just it's one of those things where i'm just like i do like it yeah but the reason that i'm so frustrated by it is because it i feel it deserves better yeah true um yeah and again like i say it, it's that i'm that we i think we've both kind of um brought in our our the baggage of this year i guess into this into our mm-hmm. analysis of it so that view like and for well both of us it was built up for ages and we really wanted this to be amazing um and i like just loved the experience of going to the cinema and just appreciated what was in front of me i didn't really mind what it was to a certain extent yeah to a certain extent like if it had been a complete dog shit like i, I would have obviously picked up on it um so that i brought that in with me whereas you i feel like you really wanted it to be you know you had all these really high expectations that were compounded by the fact that we've been waiting for however you know eight months to see something yeah. new in the cinema um so it'll be interesting to maybe revisit it come back to it in a year you know a year's time or whatever and it'll be interesting to see it like not just us but from a wider perspective as well watching all the reviews and stuff that are coming in are there reviews out there that are more forgiving to it and the five-star reviews are coming out because there are movie reviewers who've been sat not being able to review anything for fucking months and months on end. <laughs> so like total film and just, oh, thank God I'm employed again. Like, you know I mean? exactly. So they'll give five stars to whatever they watch. And equally, are there people who are just, oh, thank God there's a movie out and they're going to see this and like, fucking hell, that made no sense. One star. Shit. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, there's just... Mm. There's so much baggage that is almost... Well, there are, there are two yet. reviews on the Guardian website. Yeah, one's a one-star, one's a five-star, I bet. Yeah. Yeah, that's just typical Guardian. That's just what they do, isn't it? Yeah. Um, but yeah, like I say, it, it's an interesting time to, for this particular movie to come out. Um, but yeah, um, but I love what it is, even if some of it doesn't quite work. Yeah, and that's... Like, having seen it twice... I really, really don't need to see it for quite a while. Yeah. And I think maybe when I go back to it, I may be more forgiving with it. But at the same time, I don't know. Like, it might just be the weakest Nolan film that I've seen. And that's yeah. that's fine as well, because there are plenty of others that are spectacular. You know, like we're saying, you know, we've still got, like we always say about these other things, like with the sequels, prequels, remakes and reboots. You know, the other thing is still there to enjoy. Yeah. If you didn't like this one, that's okay. Yeah. And I think that, like, interest, it would be really interesting to see what happens with Nolan now. Um, so putting aside the idea of there potentially being a sequel to this, which is a long shot, I think, anyway, that he could either go down the route of making more sort of Nolan originals, if you like. But I feel like, given the, what the reception to this one's going to be, um, and maybe even the boxes of return of it, which... It's going to be compounded by the fact that it's the COVID stuff, so it's not going to do particularly well, no matter what. Mm. Uh, I feel like it might be a case of next time around, he won't be given as much free reign in terms of the budget if he was to make something of his own. Um, yeah, maybe. And we might end up, but to me, I think that's that could be a blessing in disguise because what we might end up with is more things along the lines of Memento and the Prestige, lower budget but more focus put on the the story and the characters because he doesn't have the budget to throw at the screen like he did with this one. And what it might also mean is that rather than be as big and mainstream as he is at the moment, they won't be, they'll be more niche. They'll be more like when a, when a Tarantino movie comes out, like not everyone went to go and see hateful eight. No, but everyone who's a Tarantino fan would have done like that didn't make his money back. But like, I feel like Nolan could find himself moving into that arena 
where he's more of a niche. Like there are there are Nolan fans who will go out and see everything he sees, but there'll be he might turn off sort of general audiences with, with this. This might be the final one where, yeah, not gonna be it may well be. It might actually, or yeah. The other the other alternative to all that is he goes completely the opposite direction, and they give him a franchise in the same way they gave him Batman. And I think the obvious one, obviously, is Bond. If they were to give him a Bond movie, which he clearly is chomping at the bit to do, he loves Bond. Yeah. Like, if they were to go, right, Daniel Craig's done, next movie, we're going to, we're rebooting the franchise, Chris Nolan, make a Bond movie. And by that, he has to therefore conform somewhat to some of the conventional methods, like he did have to in the Batman movies. And he has to, they have to be a bit more traditional in terms of their structure and their... And well, yeah, that's what I mean, like... Then he can, it will get him back on track, sort of thing, and it'll it'll settle him down a little bit because he's gone too far. He's he's, he's lost it. <laughs> yeah, um, it's but it'll be interesting. Or, or like I say, yeah. you could end up making like a memento style, low budget thing that is even more incomprehensible than this, but a lot less expensive. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I would. I'm still going to go and see it. Yeah, whatever exactly. he makes next. To be honest, yeah, you know, that, that, just because he's made a weaker film, it doesn't mean that. Yeah, I like, think that's, the, that's the reason I'm thing. being so harsh on it is because it is Christopher Nolan. If yeah. it was whomever, whatever, yeah, like just generic name director of whatever film, then I wouldn't be that bothered. Yeah, but because he's the, it's well, it's because of who he is. Yeah, and equally like, though, I feel like that's yeah part of the reason why we're harsh. And then would we be more forgiving of it if it wasn't him? If it was, if this was the first time director had come out with this, would yeah. we all be just be completely blown away by it, or would it be more a case of, you know, because he's got all this pedigree behind him? We we like what you say. You and I have just watched all the movies this week. Um, do we have that? He, he's he's um, his own worst enemy because he's made too many great films so far. Yeah. Uh, if if Lee but, and I just put this out, would we be like all over it? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, all these things are very interesting and um, things to consider. Something to postulate before we get to the next episode. Yeah. Um, speaking of the next episode, what we're probably going to be doing is the New Mutants, um, which is the exact opposite <laughs> oh, yeah. of this, in that it's another superhero movie that's just been churned out by a studio that's now dead. Um, so maybe we'll have more fun with that one I don't uh, know. we've got a lot to talk about speaking of things to unpack with this film what? like New Mutants really? yeah what do you mean just the whole that, that it's been coming out for the last three years or whatever it is yeah but also like how much is within it like I own this run of comics yeah I, I was actually like, started well, trying partially. to read it I started trying to read it myself, actually, and I was saying to the guys how much I was struggling with this straight away. It's part of the issue that I have with Marvel Comics is that they just you can't pick up any part of it without knowing like fifty years worth of backstory. Uh, They're just incomprehensible. Like I'd, I'd literally picked it up. So it's the Demon Bear Saga, and I started reading the first the uh, first bit of it, and it's like some character who used to be a fucking Edwardian princess and has been brought forward and she doesn't understand how anything works and she's being shown around the X-Mansion. I'm like, who the fuck, what the fuck is going on? Who is she? How is she? What? I was like, well, I can't, I've no idea what's going on. Yeah. Um, it's all right. And then, then Robert Pattinson turns up and mumbles something about it. Uh, yeah, up. exactly. But it's all right. Robert Pattinson punches... walks in and goes, no, it's, you know, you know, everyone goes, he punches the shit oh, out of someone and says, I'm vengeance. And like, I squee like everyone, every other fanboy on the internet. 
Oh, oh dear. Can't wait. Anyway, right, that's Tenet uh, for now. Um, we, yeah, I think we've exhausted everything we want to say about it. Next week, we'll talk about New Mutants, potentially, um, and then we'll see where we go from there. So let us know what you thought of Tenet if you went out to see it. Um, did you, yeah, love it a lot more than we did? Did you hate it more than we did? Um, yeah, let, let us know your thoughts, because this is definitely one that is going to be prompting a lot of conversation for a long time to come, uh, which to me is yeah. a positive thing, no matter what, whether you liked it or hate it, at least it makes a conversation happen. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Anyway, uh, and thanks for listening to this episode, guys, um, and we'll see you on the next one. Bye. Oh, don't forget to um, socials and stuff. Email, oh, yeah, socials. Email, so, umpagaspod at gmail.com. Yeah, and, so when I say uh, let us know what you think, I mean do that on our Facebook on our um, Instagram and if you want to send us an email on your take on Tenet or anything that we've been covering over the last few weeks um, send it to the omcastpod at gmail.com is yeah. the email address send us the um, send us the script of it so that we can read it if, yeah I need that actually if, if he can release <laughs> if he could release the script and I can read it in my so, own time and make some notes and, and maybe I'll go to university study, study um, quantum physics for a few years and then maybe I'll appreciate how great this movie is until then meh <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah if only he had access to someone who had that kind of in-depth knowledge and, and you know scientific expertise that was also knew how films were structured and how to write something if only if only christopher nolan knew someone who, who yeah. knew who could do doesn't it. know anyone like that he doesn't know there are so few of them in the world what could he have done mm-hmm. mm. anyway thanks guys see you next week see you next time bye bye horns by loud score <laughs> Uh, I was gonna. Oh, I was gonna try and think of something to say. Backwards. Backwards. But I don't know. I don't know. Palindrome. Do we, Why do is we have... Here's here's a, here's a thing to really pick what you need. It was the last thing that we have on the <laughs> uh, on the podcast episode. It was really gonna bend your needle. Is would you still have broken it if I hadn't said anything? Uh, exactly. But do you know what's really gonna pick what you need even more? What? Why isn't palindrome a palindrome? Tall as a giraffe. How tall is she? Seven foot two. Right. I'll, I'll do a googs. She must what? be at least nine foot if she's a day. She's like a fucking Narvi. She's six foot two. Six foot two. Is she fuck? No, she can't be. Because <laughs> like Pattinson's six foot and she towered over him. Like, yeah, like, but you know, she, you, she was wearing five inch heels. Why would you do that? <laughs> I don't know. Fucking insane. Right, uh, Dom, if that's the main question that you've got to wear from this film. Uh, genuinely, I think like seeing her in, a, in five inch heels on an IMAX screen is the most <laughs> impressive thing I've seen at the cinema for many a decade. It's definitely the most. Oh, impressive. no. <laughs> it's definitely the most frightening.